This election is a choice. This election will determine whether we can come together. This election is absolutely crucial. What's really important, of course, is 12 us in a giant stress-free rifle. Please explain. You're listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. Hello, election watchers. Welcome to 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast, where our newsroom breaks down what is happening for the election for April 28, 2022. Just 23 full campaigning days away until the federal election. My name is Alexis Pink. I'm the news coordinator here at 4ZZZ. Joining us today is the 4ZZZ newsroom. Hi, I'm Miyuki. I study journalism and biomed at UQ. Hi, I'm Catherine. I study journalism, French and philosophy at UQ. Hi, I'm Tim. I'm studying uh, journalism and science at UQ. On today's podcast, we are talking about inflation and how it will impact the economy, conspiratorial talk from Coalition Front's bench about China, and the Greens' proposed mining tax. So let's begin at the beginning. Cathy, tell us about what's happening with the Reserve Bank. Yeah, in an effort to try and curb rising inflation, the Reserve Bank of Australia has tipped interest rates to rise. The move will increase repayments to nearly 3 million Australians that currently hold a mortgage. This comes following uh, Australia experiencing a 20-year record high inflation rate of 5.1%, which has disproportionately affected younger Australians. This rise in cost of living is most obvious in the non-discretionary inflation figures, which sits at an even higher 6.6% meaning that everyday essentials like fuel, meat and health services have increased dramatically. Despite the concern, the Coalition have said the rising figures are largely out of their control, blaming COVID-19 and the war in Europe. However, Labor has attributed these rises to poor economic management, stating that the government's high debt and rising inflation existed long before these world events. Shadow Finance Minister Jim Chalmers described the expected rise in interest rates along with high debt and rising inflation as a triple whammy for Australians. The current inflation rise has also marked the first time since 2007 that inflation has arisen during an election campaign. Okay, so interesting times ahead. Big rise in inflation. How is that going to impact people during the election? Yeah, especially younger people. Rising inflation means the cost of everything will go up and that discretionary inflation figure as well means things like groceries, meat, the basic essentials they're disproportionately higher as well. So anyone that's younger or don't have a lot of money to fall back on, that'll hit them especially hard. This also comes along with the issues around wages. The wage price index is only 2.3%. That's off the essentials index by, you know, three times over almost. How does that affect people's sort of daily budgets? Does that... Yeah, that, that definitely tightens the belt, especially as Tim said, on the people that don't have fallback options, that don't have savings or investments to kind of see them through that time. You could see Australians that do have this tightening effect relying more on cash handouts from the government, which makes the LNP's option to, uh, <laughs> quoting Labor, staple money onto the election bill more tantalising perhaps. Simon Birmingham, who's a coalition centre, is saying that Australia's inflation rate is still lower than most other developed economies like the US and UK, Germany, Italy and Canada. Is that argument effective? Does that mean anything to anyone? It, it definitely is. So, like, for example, in America and Canada, I think it's around about 8%. But the difference to that is they've already made the decision to rise their interest rates. So we're already kind of on the back foot trying to catch up, so to speak. So that's the next thing involved in this is to start tightening up monetary policy and make money less available in the economy. And we usually do that through increasing the cash interest rate. 
Most people out in our audience wouldn't have a massive mortgage to pay back. What will that mean for them specifically? Currently, about two-thirds of Australians own a home, which has dropped 5% from 1995, and the average age of a first-home buyer is mid-30s. So for young Australians, it's not particularly relevant, except for the run-on costs they might be copying from higher mortgage rates. Okay, let's move on to another story. Um, Tim, tell us what's happening with um, Karen Andrews. Yeah, so yesterday morning, Home Affairs Minister Karen Andrews alleged the timing of the Chinese Solomon Island Security Pact was an intentional act of election interference, with goals to hurt the coalition's chances of re-election. Andrews stated that Beijing was clearly very aware we were in a federal election campaign at the moment, but Labor was quick to dismiss the claim, with Shadow Treasurer Jim Chalmers saying the statement was conspiratorial. And here's what that sounds like. Even by the incredibly low standards of this government, I thought what Karen Andrews said was remarkably desperate uh, and remarkably unhinged. Yeah, so <laughs> another good moment there for Jim Chalmers on the campaign trail. But why is this story important? I think it's really interesting because the Coalition has been trying to downplay this whole... Solomon Islands situation and they're kind of going back on themselves and making a big deal of it so they're kind of undermining their whole thing at the moment which I think is really interesting and I think it's just adding a lot of fuel to the fire of Labor's campaign Um, you know a lot of people coming out with the um, if you mess up fess up kind of rhetoric around it. So we did talk a little bit about China and the Solomon Islands yesterday and talk about Labor's approach to it which seems to be more about using soft power and diplomacy to avoid big national security incidents which has played quite well for them in general. How is this playing out for the coalition though? What are the impressions you get from the coalition on this particular issue? It just feels like something they did not want to be caught in the back foot of. The whole idea of the red line in the sand Every time they kept asking Scott Morrison what that meant, what that meant for Australia, obviously couldn't give an answer, and, and how could you? Because what are you going to say? You're going to go to war with China over that? It, it just seems like something that not an issue you wanted to be be caught over. Yeah. So the concern would be if we set a red line, that China might try to cross it. Mm. Yeah, I think the coalition is really doing like everything in its power to shift the blame off them. They're doing everything they can to say to wash their hands of this situation and try and put as much distance between it and them as possible. Which is fairly weird because national security tends to be a strength for the coalition in general. Absolutely. It's undermining their whole policy that they've put forward. Last story. Greens are proposing a new law as well, a new tax. Um, Miyuki, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so Greens leader Adam Bant has announced his party will push for a new levy on coal exports, which will fund climate disaster recovery, improve the budget bottom line by $51.9 billion, and aim to create... 805,000 jobs. The plan criticises the approach of the major parties and calls for immediate action rather than continued debate around Australia's pledge to reach net zero emissions by 2050. Mr Bant said that net zero by 2050 is an empty slogan for someone else's problem. We don't have another three years to waste. He alleged um, Labor's climate policy position is worse than it has been in a decade and not by accident adding that creating a climate-focused parliament with Greens in the balance of power is closer than you think. The party's ambition is to reach net zero emissions by 2035 and produce negative emissions to lower pollution by more than 100 million tonnes a year by 2050. Why is this story important? How do the Greens fit into environmental policy right now in this campaign? How does their approach compare to everybody else's? Yeah, so they're obviously the most 
aggressive in, in climate reform that we have and as closest thing we have to the 2011 carbon tax or some form of drastic reform that might get rid of this idea of artificially subsidising the coal industry to keep it propped up um, longer than it should be. How does that play with Labor's experiences on carbon taxes over, say, the last 15 years of government and opposition? wouldn't say they've had a smooth run on this. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a sensitive topic for Labor, considering it's seen them fall in public grace and obviously in power itself. So I guess they're a bit tentative to touch the topic, despite endorsing it perhaps behind closed doors and with their policies in a more practical sense. So do you think this would create a little bit of friction between the Greens and Labor if they were to find themselves in a minority government position? It is hard to watch Labor, isn't it? Like you have 2011, you bought such an aggressive carbon tax to the election and it just feels like clearly that would, in the long run was the right move and it was the right way to prosecute that argument. And here you have Labor and Penny Wong a couple of days ago so on the back foot or, or not willing to commit to anything that uh, reduce the competitiveness of, of these industries. It just feels so clearly that the Greens are prosecuting the right argument, and the same argument Labor was five, ten years ago, but we just, this is where we're now. In the details of the policy, they mentioned that there's a $1 levy per tonne on thermal coal and $3 for coking coal as their baseline for this, which sounds similar, but not the same, as the mining resources rent tax that, that Labor implemented during the Gillard years. Do you think Labor's really interested in going back to that particular policy position? Not until they have a second term. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's going to... Like, they just... Even if it's a minority government, I I just can't see them backing that in until they at least get in the second term. Just... That's all the time we've got for the podcast today. Thank you for listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. For more news, head to 4ZZZ.org.au or listen to 4ZZZ on 102.1 FM on DAB Plus Digital Radio via the 4ZZZ website or on the podcast app of your choice. If you have a tip-off or feedback about the show, please email us, newsroom at 4ZZZ.org.au. If you'd like to support the work here, you can always go on to 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash support and subscribe to our community radio station today. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you later.